Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. Let me call our attention one more time to the book of Matthew chapter number 13. Matthew chapter number 13. We've been looking at rediscovering the parables. We have spent a great deal of time in this chapter. The reason we've spent a great deal of time in this chapter is because Christ has a great deal to say in this chapter. The interesting thing is we draw a conclusion to this chapter is that the last three things that Jesus uses to teach from in this chapter is found only in the book of Matthew. And we're going to look at those. It's interesting the phrase he uses. We're going to, we're going to pick up in verse number 44 and we'll read down through verse number 52. But as Christ begins each of these that he's dealing with, he opens it with this statement. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto. That phrase is mentioned over and over again. I think people have a misconception sometimes of what the kingdom of heaven is. They have a misinterpretation of what it is. And you can dig into a lot of things, but if we dig into all of that, and we're going to look at some of that, we're going to we're kind of, kind of skim over it, but if you try to dig into that detail, you're going to miss what Christ is saying. Uh, I think that Christ gives us uh, an idea of what the kingdom of heaven is. And I believe that is that kingdom that God created in the beginning that He will finish with. And we'll, we'll look at that. But let's pick up in verse number 44 and we'll read down through verse number 52 and pray and get into the message this morning. Verse number 44, the Bible says, Again... The kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all he hath, and buyeth the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. 
so shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and serve the wicked, or, or sever the wicked from among the just, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus saith unto them, Have ye understood all these things? They say unto him, Yea, Lord. When then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is a householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would illumine your word. Lord, may it shine forth in our life and in our hearts. Lord, may we glean from it this morning those things that would encourage us, help us, aid us. Lord, those things that would convict us. And Lord, those things that would help us in our walk for you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Probably these parables that are mentioned are some of the, mis- some of the most misunderstood and the most misconstrued of all of the parables. The reason is, is because Christ doesn't interpret these parables. So with, without His interpreting these parables, we do what we tend to do best. We insert ourselves where we don't belong. We place ourselves somewhere, and, and I can't help but to think about uh, something I've heard, something I've mentioned, and something I'll say again this morning. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. If it don't belong to you, it don't belong to you. If it belongs to God, it's God's, not yours, not mine. You and I have been looking over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at Matthew chapter number 13, and you and I understand that when all of this was written, when these things were, were passed through the churches and these things were given and these things were there. There wasn't chapters and verses and it was, it was those things written and given to uh, us as the children of God. So understand that you and I look at this and I'm not saying that the chapters and verses aren't in the right places, that they didn't break them apart the way they should have broke them apart. But what I am saying is Consider everything that's going on. Everything that you and I have looked at in this chapter. Everything that you and I have considered in this chapter. And we come down to verse number 44. And the Bible tells us here, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found. Our problem is we want to insert ourselves there. 
We want to say that we've found something. We want to say that we've came across the treasure. Uh, of course, we want to make Christ the treasure, and I understand that mindset. But in order to do that, you're going to have to apply a lot of other things to this man that don't belong to him. Nor are, and, and also we're going to apply a lot of things to this man that he does not have the ability to do. And that's the reason it's wrong to interpret this parable in the wrong way. If we make ourselves the man, then we're almost stating, and, and, and I, I, I say that kind of in a, in a sarcastic way, we, we, we come to the point if we're here and we make ourselves the man, then we're telling ourselves that the kingdom of God can be purchased by us. That's a fallacy. That's heretical. That's wrong. So why don't we allow Scripture to explain Scripture? And we don't have to go very far from this verse of Scripture to understand what he's saying. Why? Because he talked about earlier the sower. He talked about the seed. He talked about the ground. And He interpreted all those things for us. And if He interpreted those things, what makes us think that He's going to come to verse 44 and change His mind? If we look back just a few verses, what is the field? It's the world. If we look back just a few verses, Who's the sower? The Son of Man. Christ Himself. He gives us, He basically gives the interpretation without just saying, okay, now let me explain this one again. He's already explained it. Why did He explain it? He explained it because the disciples came up to Him and said, Master, we don't understand. And that kind of brings to light what he asked them here at the end of this, he said, do you understand all things? Brother, Brother Ricky, you know what they did? They just outright lied to God. They said, yes, sir, we understand it. We got it. We got a handle on this thing. They didn't have a handle on it because Peter messes it up again. Other disciples mess it up again. What are you saying? I'm saying that you and I think we have a handle on things sometimes when we don't have a handle on things. But when we come to this passage of Scripture and we see again the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field. What is that treasure that's hid in that field? What is it... We, we, we already know by the interpretation beforehand, we know what the field is. The field is the world. What is it that is treasured? And if we, if we look back at the sower, and we look back at the one that's been the, the, the main character throughout all of these parables thus far, and we come to the conclusion that Jesus is the man, what is it that 
Christ finds in the world that he's willing to buy. It's his church. It's, it's, it's his people. It's those that belong to him by his redemption. And it says here that that man, when he found it, he hideth, and for joy thereof, goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth the field. It's interesting that he didn't just go buy the treasure. He bought the field. It's interesting that Brother Ricky would read what he read this morning. That even out of the out of the devotional portion of what we covered this morning, he would even refer to Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and all they that dwell in. That, that it's God's. Is it any wonder when we look at this in perspective as we should? Is it any wonder as we studied, you recall when we studied and went through the, the Advent series where we went from, from Genesis to the book of Revelation and we found out what? It's all one story. It's all one story about what? It's all one story about the redemptive plan of God to redeem His people. And if that be the case, then that's what we're seeing here. That's what we see when we come to this. We find that He hath it hid. What did He just get through telling us in, in chapter number 13? What did He tell the disciples about parables when they came up to Him and said, Master, why are you teaching in parables? What did He say? He said it's hid to some and revealed to others. <laughs> It's no doubt that Jesus goes on to say what He says in this passage of Scripture, in these verses. He said that He found a treasure in the field. Can I just, can I just insert here? You and I that have experienced the grace of God, you and I that are saved by the grace of God, you and I that have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I just surprise you? We're, we're still on the earth. <laughs> we're, we're still in the world. He did, not, he did not save us and just with a snap of a finger take us out of this world. He left us here. We are in the world. We are in the field. What did He tell us? He even told us in another passage of Scripture, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. Why? Because we're in Christ. At the same time we're in the world, we're in Christ. You say, what's that got to do with anything? There are so many people that are so caught up with making sure 
that we don't go to this place because that's where the world goes. And we don't dress this way because that's the way the world dresses. And we don't do this because that's what the world does. They're so caught up with pulling themselves out of the world, they're not obedient to what God says when we're in the world. He bought... He did not buy just the treasure. He bought the world. The world is His and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell therein. You and I are the redeemed of the Lord and therefore we should say so. And I'm not saying that we do everything the world does, but... Don't be so caught up with separating yourself so far from the world that you cannot allow them to see that you are in Christ. Because it is the fact of them seeing you resting in Christ that will be an aid to show them what they're missing. It does not mean that when the world looks at me and they understand that I'm in Christ that that I'm going to be the means of their salvation. No, no, no. What is it that is the schoolmaster that brings everyone to salvation? It's the law. (laughs) And we're going to get down to that in just a moment. We've got to have them both. He even mentions that in this passage of Scripture. He tells us that. But... In this, he finds a treasure in a field. He goes, he gives, sells all that he has. He gives all that he has and purchases the field. Not only that, but if people don't mess it up in that one, they definitely mess it up in the next one. There's a merchant that is looking for how could that be us? If that, if that merchant was you and the pearl was the Lord Jesus Christ, which a lot of people will tell you that's what it is. If that was so, then you're going to have a problem with what Paul said when he said there is none that seeketh after God. Jesus is telling us here that the merchant was seeking a goodly pearl. And when he found it, he sold all he had and came and bought it. Who is it that sells all they have and comes and buys it? How many times have we heard it preached? How many times have we heard it presented that you and I are to give everything we've got and we're going to sell everything we've got and we've got to give everything to the Lord in order, in order for us to purchase the Lord? It don't work that way. God came looking for me. I didn't go looking for God. Therein is the grace of God. It is God's grace that found me. It is God in His grace and in His mercy that purchased me. I didn't go looking for God. He came looking for me. 
if I would have went looking for God and I would have found God, there would have been some effort on my part that obtained my salvation. And it does not work that way. It doesn't. It just doesn't. He goes on to tell them here, he said, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto the merchant man seeking a goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, I did hear, I did hear somebody make mention here that that treasure and that goodly pearl they, they made mention here that we don't like to think that that's what we are. But can I just insert here that Christ can call you whatever He wants to call you. If you are His treasure, then I'd just enjoy that. I wouldn't try to refute that Christ is calling me His treasure. I know me. And I wouldn't call me a treasure, but Christ called me a treasure. And he sold everything he had. He gave all that he had and came and purchased me with his blood. And the grace of God has given that and made it available unto me. He says here in verse number 47, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net. Just in case we, we get the mentality that we need to be choosy about who we're going after, Christ gave us this parable. He said, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered every kind. Who is Christ talking to? In, in all of this, who is He dealing with? The subjects that are following Him for the vast majority are Jews. What did the Jewish people think they were? We're God's chosen people. We are God's nation. And God is teaching His disciples here. He's telling them that the net was cast. And as the net was cast, it brought in every kind. What did, what did the book of Revelation say it would be around the throne? Every kindred, every trunk, every tribe, every person, a, a people from all nations will gather around the throne. Why? Because the net was cast wide. Again, can, can I just tell us to stay in our lane? Yes, sir. Because He pulled that net to the land. And what did He do? He did the same thing He did with the wheat and the tares. He said, at the end of the world, that he was going to do the separating. He was going to send forth the angels. They were going to be the reapers. They were going to separate it. And that which was 
tears is going to be cast into the fire. Those that were weak was going to be placed in his barn. We find out here that he takes the good out of the net and he brings it and puts it into his vessels. He takes that which is bad and he casts it once again into the fire. (laughs) You and I are to be casting the net. Or we're to be we're we're to be as as the net is cast. We're part of what's drawn up in that net of every kindred, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And God is the one that's going to settle who is and who isn't. You you and I have already looked at this, but I want to reference that one more time. You and I are not fruit inspectors. I don't, I don't have some kind of badge that I place on me and, and, and I made some kind of fruit inspector to decide who is saved and who is not saved. That's not my lane. Right. It's just not. <laughs> I'm not smart enough for that. And half the people would say, Amen. But can I tell you, you're not smart enough for that either. You and I cannot determine who is and who is not. Therefore, as we have that witness within us, where does it go? It goes to all. Do you know what we're doing every Sunday morning when we come in here? We're just witnessing to each other once again. I'm part of the redeemed. As we come in here and as we gather around the songs of Zion, we, we gather around the scriptures, we gather around the Psalms, we gather around our scripture reading, we gather around those things, we're just testifying one more time to each other, I'm part of the redeemed. And I know the Spirit of the Lord bears witness and, and those things are evident in our lives sometimes and they're evident in the fact that we're family, we're together, we enjoy those things of God. But it is God who will do all of the separating that needs to be done. It's not you and I. He tells them here in this passage of Scripture, He said every kind which when it was full they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into the vessels and cast the bad away. He tells us again, just as he told us with the wheat and the tares, he said, so shall it be at the end of the world. The angel shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus again says what he says to them in verse number 54. Jesus saith unto them, Have ye understood these things? And like I've already said, this is where they just... Okay, Lord, I think I've got it. They said they had it, but in all honesty, it would be 
it would be like I am sometimes when I hear somebody and I, I, I can almost grab hold of it, but I don't quite have it. I think that was the situation they were in, but they, they went ahead and said, Yay, Lord. Then he mentions to them in verse number 52. Then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. When we walk through and started back in Genesis chapter 3, and we walk through to Revelation 22, when we did that and we saw that that story of that redemptive plan of God was in place, it included old and new. What did we find out that Christ came to do? He came to be a new covenant. You and I partake of things. We will again next Sunday. We'll have communion. And as we have communion, this bread shall be the body of Christ, which is broken for you. Which is the what? New Testament in His body. The, the juice that we'll partake of is His blood in the New Testament, the New Covenant. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant belong together. Are there things that differentiate in them? Yes. But there, there is not anything that, that teaches us that God had an old covenant and He decided that wouldn't work, so He made a new covenant. No, God had a covenant from the beginning that just progressively grew. It progressively became what God wanted it to fully become. What will it fully become? It will fully become the kingdom of God. Why? Because He created a kingdom. Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, He created a kingdom over which He has every right to rule and to reign. Yes. Man, in his rebellion, messed that up. But it did not take that kingdom away from God. It didn't steal it away. It just allowed that, that wicked one to come in and sow seeds. It allowed that enemy to come in and sow seeds among... They, they were able to sow seed among the wheat. And when it grew up, it was tares. It allowed, it allowed for evil to be in this world. It allowed for those things to be, but it never changed the plan of God. Why did it never change the plan of God? Because God's plan was His plan before the world ever began. Before it ever started. So you and I are instructed in this passage of Scripture, do we need to 
completely sever and separate the two? No. What is it? I've already mentioned this. What is it that is the schoolmaster that brings us to salvation? For if we did not have the law, you and I would not see the need for salvation. What is it that shows us that we're wrong? The law shows us that we're wrong. It reveals to us that we're not right. It reveals to us that we've sinned against God. And it is that that brings us to salvation. When we looked at the book of Ruth, was it the first kinsman that was able to redeem her? No. He said, I can't lest I mar mine own inheritance. It was the... Near, it was the kinsman Boaz that came along and redeemed her unto himself. What are you saying? I'm saying the law could not redeem us. The law could not redeem us. The law never could redeem us. But the law brings us to the point of understanding we need redemption. So do we sever the two? He said, no, there's, there's a need for them. That is the reason that when we preach, and that's the reason when we come together, there must be a distinction between law and grace. There must be a distinction between those things. What is it that those preachers that will preach continually that you've got to do this and you've got to do this and you've got to go here and you've got to look this way and you've got to present yourself this way and if you don't come to church like you ought to come to church, you're just not right with God. What is the problem? They're not distinguishing between the law and the gospel. But if we have a clear understanding of what's law and what's gospel... Christ tells us here that they dwell together. What is, uh, what is it in our life that continually helps us to grow into a greater and more intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? A lot of the times the law helps us to do that. But in the law helping us to do that, the law doesn't condemn us because we're born again. There's a difference. And as we look at this and as we understand what Christ is telling them, and basically that's what Christ was that's what Christ was instructing them. That's what he was telling them. And the reason that I said just a moment ago that Peter goes out and he messes it up all over again. Why? You find Peter and Paul having a confrontation with each other. Why did they have a confrontation? Because Peter was taking them back to that law. He was taking them back to things that they could do and things they could not do and things they weren't supposed to be a part of and things they weren't supposed to eat. And what did Peter do? God God told Peter at least twice, I think three different times, he said, It's all clean. Why is it all clean? Because Christ cleaned it all. What are you saying? I'm saying that as we look at these parables and as we understand these parables, if we discover them correctly, we're not going to be saying, you've got to give all you've got. We're going to be telling you that Christ gave all He had and purchased you. 
And because you understand that Christ gave all He had and purchased you, therefore it produces in you a greater love for the one that loved you. The world of Christianity is not about manipulation. The world of Christianity, the world of true Bible doctrine, true gospel is not a means of manipulation. It's a means of you understanding who you are and whose you are. And in understanding that, it produces in us. Can I just stop here? You don't produce in you. It produces in you. Those good works. We, I'm, <laughs> Paul did not tell me in the book of Ephesians that I am my workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Paul told me in the book of Ephesians that I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. I think the problem is most of the time, and I may get in trouble for this, but I really don't care. The problem is most of the time is... And, and part of my thought left me. Maybe I do care. But <laughs> the problem is most of the time that, that we want to make ourselves better when it is not we that makes us better. It is Christ working in us and through us that makes us better. And I think the tendency is... I'll, I'll see if I can keep this train on track. The tendency is, is we misunderstand the distinction and that's when we try to produce in other people what we think they should be showing as a child of God. There again, it, it's not even my lane here in this place, in this position, behind this podium, it is not my place to produce in you the things that I think will make you look more like a Christian. It is my place to remind you of who you are, whose you are, and His love for you that will produce in you that good work because it is his work in you that produces the good work.